0: Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message, brought to you by Daryl Reed. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. So we also then, uh, while well, I had some opportunity to do things that I don't normally get time to do. And one of those little hobbies of mine is to do some DIY stuff around the house. And so I got onto some, some DIY projects. And while, we were, while I was doing one of these projects, one of my tools broke, a woodworking tool. And so I, I needed, needed to replace the tool to, to carry on the job. And, uh, and I, I found it overwhelming to just see how many different tools there are out there. And I came across this thing called, um, what is it called? Information overload. <laughs> Information overload is when there's too much information that you cannot make a decision because you're overwhelmed with all the options. And so I still haven't made a decision to replace this tool that I need because I'm still under this uh, overwhelming information overload. <laughs> but uh, it was really lots of fun to, to do some of those types of things that I wouldn't normally do to, to stay active because uh, relaxation and rest are different things. And uh, for, for you guys, if you're still on leave, I want to encourage you, Uh, relaxing is good but rest is better and rest is often active, it's intentional, it's not just lying on the couch um, doing nothing. And so as I was intentionally resting by doing some DIY and having some fun, I came across information overload. It made me think a little bit. Um, the, The amount of information in the world is just extraordinary right now. I mean, some people are, are, are claiming that the, the amount of information is doubling in the world every kind of 12 to 14 hours. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I do know that the amount of information that is being released, publicized on websites and books, on TV, on YouTube, on social media, is an exponential growth curve. There's just so much information out there that you then get information overload and you can't buy a simple tool because you don't know which is the best one to get. And if you're anything like me, if there's a good deal out there, I need to get that good deal. Like, is there anyone else that sometimes you'll buy something and then like two or three weeks later, you'll go back to check, did I get the best deal? (laughs) Is the discount cheaper now or has the price gone up? And if it goes up, it's like a little victory celebration. Yes. If it goes down further, then it's a, a sense of defeat and I've lost. Never go, back. Never go back, it's true, it's true. I can't help myself sometimes. But I mean, just think about this. 30 years ago, if you wanted to do some research to get some information, what would you do? You'd probably go to your World Book Encyclopedia if you had one, and you'd open it up, and you'd go read, and you'd, you'd do some research. Now what do you do is you just hit a button on your phone, and you've got access to an infinite amount of information. It's insane what we've got access to and how the world has shifted and changed in just the the last kind of 30 years, and I think especially the last 20-odd. There's just been a a, a global explosion of the information and technology age. There's some interesting things around this as I've been reading up just to um, see what's happening in, in the world. And so there's this thing called the attention economy. Yeah, the attention economy. Anyone heard of the attention economy? Meaning that there's a value to your attention. And so there's an economy around it. And so there's a, there's a war around your attention. That's why every time you click on your phone and you just want to Google a simple thing like, which tool should I buy? You're bombarded with adverts and uh, clickbait media that wants to take you to a different site or a different thing. Because they're waging war for your attention. It's the attention economy. There's a whole bunch of marketing in the world that's based around this concept that your attention has a value. And the amount of information is growing so exponentially that there's so much information, your attention cannot grab hold of all of that information. And so in the simple economy of supply and demand, there's way more um, you know, information than, than what you're able to engage with. And so that place a value on your attention. Companies like Spotify, I mean, that's a simple way that they will put a value on your attention. You can either pay money to get a subscription for their music, or you can do it for free, and then you're still paying. You're paying with your attention by listening to their adverts. That's what they do. Because your attention has a value. Some people have said that attention is a scarce commodity. I wonder if the most valuable thing in the room right now is your attention and what I can do with that attention. You know, could, I, could I influence your attention and influence you to do badly on Monday morning and to be a poor citizen? Or can I take your attention and influence you to be a godly, good citizen and to glorify the king? You see, your attention is valuable. And what are you giving your attention to? In this attention economy, you guys are not going to believe this, but this is legit. They even have a thing called attention theft. (laughs) I mean, we know this in our country, that if something's got value, someone's going to try to steal it, right? (laughs) They realize that your attention has a value, and so companies try to steal your attention to go and look at their website, to go look at their stuff. I mean, isn't that crazy? Attention theft madness. There's so much information and there's so many things vying for our attention. And so what are we doing with our attention, with our focus in this war of what is your mind, what is your spirit focusing on? And so on the, the 31st of December, as, as you know, I was just doing some DIY and tool broke, but also reflecting on that evening as we're going to gather and worship for the last time of 2022 and worship in the new year. I was just reflecting on the Lord and his goodness. And and Lord, what are you saying to us um, for this season and in this season? And uh, some of you might know we we did beach outreaches for a number of years. Uh, For about seven years, we'd go down to uh, different coastal uh, party destinations. And we'd reach out. We'd, we'd go and minister to people on the streets from kind of eight nine o'clock at night, right through till two, three in the morning. And the Lord reminded me of of this one particular story, because I always find that time of the year, I'm reflecting back on on all the things that the Lord did and wondering, will we ever do it again? And I'm sure we will at some point. But I was reflecting on this one story. We were in Kenton-on-Sea in the Eastern Cape. Uh, very popular space. You guys might have heard me share this story on the 31st, but I know a bunch of you didn't, so I'm going to share it again. And, uh, and our, our team's out there. Uh, it's probably about one o'clock in the morning. We're ministering to people. We're praying for people. We're just loving on people. We're serving them, doing whatever we can to, to share the gospel with them. And, and there's these two young guys that, you know, they were on their way to the club, home from the club. I don't know, but they're engaging with one of our team members. And I start overhearing the conversation, and I hear it 's getting a little bit aggressive it 's uh, getting a bit argumentative, and so I go and go and join the conversation, get to meet these guys and and and, and Find out what, they, what they're talking about. Turns out that the, the one guy especially was an atheist, uh, didn't believe that, that God was real, and asking all the typical but very difficult questions that, that an atheist would ask. And so we're trying our best to answer all of these questions, and it's just going back and forth, and it's not really going anywhere. It's turning into uh, more of an argument than a conversation. And so in that moment, I realized this isn't going anywhere, and so I, I say to these two young guys, I say, you know, this is a bit pointless, because if we can argue you into being a Christian, we can just as e- easily argue you out of being a Christian, and that doesn't make any sense at all. And the guy kind of, I can see the cogs turning, and he says, yeah, that makes, that makes sense. You're right. This is pointless. So I said, why don't we do this? Why don't we pray? Why don't we ask Jesus to reveal himself to you if he really is real? And if he's real, he'll reveal himself, and then you'll know, and you can choose to, to follow him or not. And, and if nothing happens, well, then, hey, we gave it a try. And the guy said, okay, cool, that's... Let's do that. I mean, this is the guy that doesn't believe God is real, but he's open to asking God if he's, if he's real. I love atheists and agnostics, all of them, because they'll always let you pray for them if you just find the right little key into their heart. And so we go around the corner, and uh, in the distance you can hear you know, the thumping music of the, the, the club. And I say to the guys, just stand and put your hands out like this. We're not going to touch you. We're just going to put our hands over you, and we're just going to invite the presence of God to come. And so these two guys stand there with their hands Out like this, their eyes closed, and we pray a simple prayer. Just on the lines of, Lord Jesus, thank you that you love these guys. Thank you that you're for them, that you're not against them, and that your heart is for them. Will you reveal yourself to them right now, Holy Spirit? Will you come and fill them with your presence? May they physically, tangibly experience you in this moment. Simple prayer like that. And then we step back and we watch these two guys standing there on the side of the road having an encounter with Jesus. And the the look of frustration on their faces turns to this look of absolute peace and joy. And they stand there with their eyes closed and they start to smile. And and we've we've stepped back and we're just watching these guys now having an encounter with the Lord as the the Lord is doing a special thing in 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 their heart and in their life. It felt like probably two or three minutes, I don't know how long it was. But after what felt like a long time, of these two guys encountering Jesus. The one guy opens his eyes with a big smile on his face, and the first words out of his mouth are, Wow, God is good. <laughs> I mean, just about seven minutes ago, he's arguing with me, trying to tell me why God is not real, and there is no such thing as a God. The next word out of his mouth, after "Wow, God is good, is he says, I just want to worship God. Can we worship God? <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, we can worship God. That's a good idea. And so we, we had a worship kind of intercession team. And so we, we go across to the worship team. And, and I say, you know, this is what happened, guys. These guys want to worship Jesus. Can we, can we worship him together? Uh, and the team was tired. We hadn't been sleeping. They, they just, there was no inspiration coming forth from the worship team. And I'm thinking, okay, Daryl, you're going to have to rescue this. Uh, you've always wanted to be a worship leader. This might be your time to shine. Um Or I'm going to chase these guys away and they'll go back to being agnostics when they hear me sing. (laughs) Anyway, so I start thinking, okay, what song will these guys know? They haven't been in church for a very long time. Um, So I say, what about Amazing Grace? Do you guys know Amazing Grace? And the guy says, yeah, yeah, I know that one. But but, but what about this? This is the atheist that's just encountered Jesus. He says, what about Our God is an Awesome God? (laughs) That's a good song. Let's go with that one. So there we stand, a group of us, 1.30 in the morning, whatever it is, club music thumping in the background, starting to sing, our oh, God is an awesome God. Amen. Come on, isn't God good? Amen. And so I reflect on this story on the 31st, and I'm thinking, God, we need that. We need that in our nation and in our lives, in our businesses and our families, because so often I think we're faced with a problem. we're faced with an obstacle, a challenge. And, and what do we do to find the solution to that problem? We go to Google, don't we? It's become an almost instinctual natural response. We go to Google. And, and that young guy, he didn't need more information. Uh, The wealth of information on the web would not satisfy the questions that he had. He didn't need information. He needed a revelation. He needed a revelation of who Jesus is. He needed an encounter with him to know God is real and I need him in my life. I believe that this is a year where the Lord is saying, I want to pour out rich, living revelation upon you, upon my people across the world, that we will not just go to information, but that we will have revelation. So if you got your Bible, let's look at a couple stories in the scriptures quickly. We're gonna to go to Second Samuel chapter five. We're gonna read from verse 17 to verse 25. Story I'm sure we're all well familiar with. While you guys are, are looking for that, let me quickly give you a definition of the attention economy. The attention economy refers to the range of economic activities based on people's attention being treated as a scarce and highly desirable resource to be captured and maintained. Is that scary or what? Attention primarily refers to user engagement with digital products which equates to revenue and influence for those who capture and maintain it. That's the desire of most companies, to capture and maintain your attention. Let's look back to the scriptures now. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, Go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to Baal-perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, As waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal-perazim. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. Once more the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, and he answered, Do not go straight up but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move quickly because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him and struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Giza. I know I haven't given you much context for that story, but there's just two things that we need to pull out of it that I think are critical. David is facing a challenge. The Philistine army is gathering to attack. And he can look at all the information, which I think he does. But along with the information, he says, I need revelation. I need Father's word on this situation. And so he goes and he inquires of the Lord and the Lord speaks to him and answers him and gives him direction. It happens then a second time. They go to war, they win. And after they've had a a victory, now the Philistine army starts to gather a second time. Now, come on, second nature is just to, well, hey, we know what happened last time. Let's just do the same again. It worked. It's going to work again. Yet David, so full of wisdom, doesn't do that again. He doesn't look just to the information that's presenting itself. He goes to the Lord and he inquires once again of the Lord for living revelation. God, what are we to do in this situation? And so the God, the Lord speaks to him again and gives him a different strategy this time. And so it's, I find it amazing what happens when we inquire of the Lord, when we bring the challenge that we are facing or the challenge that's presenting itself before us. Because the Lord responds and not only does he give David revelation, but I believe the Lord is so moved by David's inquiring of him that he gives David the victory. Because it says towards the end there, um, Which verse? As soon as you hear the sound of marching on the tops of the poplar trees, move quickly because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. See, the Lord goes out in front of them to strike the Philistine army in response to David's inquiring of the Lord. See, when we inquire of the Lord, we don't just get revelation, but I believe it moves the Lord as well to act on our behalf to bring about victory the things that are challenging us and standing in front of us. Now, if we go back a little bit further, not that far in history, but there's this guy named King Saul. He was the king that preceded David. He was called, he was anointed, he was prophesied he would be king. Samuel is the one that, that, that the Lord speaks to, and says that this guy named Saul is to be my king, to be the king of of Israel. You can read all of this in 1 Samuel from chapters 9 through chapters 11. And so this man is in the right place because he's called, he's anointed, he's gifted, he's a head taller than anyone else. He's He's God's anointed man for the job. Right place, right person, doing the right thing. Yet I think we all know the story if you've read it, he, he makes a big blunder and he, he messes the whole thing up. And so we, we see in um, 1 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13 and 14, it says, Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance and did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. Well, I find that challenging and scary, that you can be in the right place, you can be the right person, you can be anointed, you can be called, you can be doing all the things that God has prophesied for you to do with his anointing. But in that place, if we become too relaxed, too sure of where we are, too confident in our own strength, as I think Saul did, And what did Saul do? You guys can go and read the story. But again, the Philistine army was gathering against them. He looks at the information that he sees. And I believe that from a place of fear, he makes a decision. And he goes against what Samuel the prophet said. He goes against the word of the Lord. And that is the start of his downfall. Because he made a decision with the information he saw instead of the revelation he needed. We see again in uh, Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 21 The shepherds are senseless and do not inquire of the Lord so they do not prosper and all their flock is scattered See the consequence of not inquiring of the Lord is is dire it's devastating it's it's, it's like it's really bad <laughs> But the consequence of inquiring of him when we come before him and when we say God I need you God I need your revelation for where I am right now, for the challenge that's, that's presenting itself against me. When we do that, God is true and faithful to give you revelation, to give you the, the information that is what you need, heaven-spoken uh, revelation, things hidden becoming revealed that we might move forward. Come on, we need His revelation. We need His revelation. And when we do that, God moves on our behalf. He moves on our behalf. See, God wants to give you revelation. I believe his heart is totally to give us revelation. And I believe that this is a a time, a season, a year, if we want to call it that, where God wants to speak to us with revelation. Our country needs revelation. And it's our responsibility, it's our duty to come before him, to seek him, To inquire of him and say, Jesus, Jesus, we need you. We need you. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow the words of this law. What was it saying? Is that the things that the Lord reveals to us, they then belong to us and to our children and they, they're there for us to follow Him for the rest of our days. This is such an intriguing passage or, or verse in Scripture. The that, that things revealed belong to us. Let's take a moment, and, and not now, because I want to keep your attention. I want to hold on to this scarce commodity. <laughs> but later on this afternoon, take some time with the Lord or tomorrow and reflect on the prophetic words that perhaps you've, that, that have been spoken over you. Because those are things revealed. And they now belong to you. Amen. What does that mean? I think it means that there's there's a responsibility that the Lord gives us to steward the things revealed. And how do we do that? Is we start to attach our faith to the revelation and say, Jesus, I believe in this. I believe that what you've spoken is true, and I'm gonna put my faith alongside with into this revelation. Because it belongs to me, but only if you steward it and put your faith into it. That's your homework. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It says, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. You see, now that we're in him, Christ Jesus is our wisdom. He is our revelation. It's in Him that we find everything that we need. Jesus, He is our revelation. And then Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We all know this one. Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I want to encourage us this year. Let's be a people that seeks Him that inquires of Him, that takes time to sit before Him in prayer, in meditation, upon Him, upon His beauty, as we put on a garment of praise, as we worship Him and say, Jesus, we need You. We don't want to, every time we have a challenge, look down and ask Google. am not saying that it's bad. No, there's a lot of good. But we want to look up and say, Jesus, what is Your revelation for this situation? What is is it that you are saying? What are you revealing? So where is your attention focused? We need information. But I think we can also agree that information in and of itself is fairly worthless. But when information becomes knowledge and becomes wisdom, and when that wisdom and knowledge is partnered with revelation from heaven, I think that's when we have the power to start to see transformation, transformation in your life, transformation in your family, transformation in your business, transformation in our city, transformation in our state-owned enterprises, that we will become powerful again. We need his revelation to come alongside the information that we have. So can I invite you to stand with me? Before we pray, I want to just give you an opportunity. If you're visiting with us for the first time or maybe you've been here for a while and, and you don't know what it is to know Jesus, you don't know what it is to receive revelation from, from Jesus, maybe you're like one of those guys in my story in kenton on that don't believe God is real. You've, you've, you've been visiting maybe or it's your first time and you've, you've thought, okay, well, these are a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> How, I want to say to you that the reason you're here maybe is not by chance but perhaps it's by divine consequence and divine order. And I want to say to you, open up your heart because Jesus says he's knocking at the door of your heart and he longs for you to open the door to let him in. So I wonder if we can close our eyes. If that's you this morning and, and, and you've come here and, and, and the, the Lord has stirred you, whether it be in worship, whether it be through the stories or, or looking at the scriptures and you say, I need revelation. I need to know God. And you don't know him. Or perhaps you've walked away from him for a season. I want to invite you just to raise your hand and say, Jesus, I want you. I need you. I need you to be the king that brings revelation in my life. So that's you, go ahead and raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, the Lord sees those hands and, and, and he's knocking on your door and he's coming in. He's coming in. And so I want to invite you to pray a simple prayer and just to say, Jesus, thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you rose again for me. Thank you that you made a way where there seemed to be no way. Thank you that you forgive me of my sins as I come before you and say, I need a Savior. Tell him that you need his forgiveness. That you don't want to live a life that you were living, but you want to live a life that honors him, that glorifies him, that follows him. That as of today, you want to become a son or a daughter of the King. If you've prayed a prayer like that this morning, I want to invite you to come to the front as we uh, start to close out the service. And our our ministry team would love to pray for you. But I want to close out praying for all of us. So why don't you lift your hands to heaven. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. Lord, we want our attention to be focused on you. The scarce resource of our attention, Lord, may it be set upon you and upon you only. So Holy Spirit, will you stir us, will you move us, will you inspire us to seek you, to inquire upon you, to get revelation from you, that this will be a a time and a season where we don't rely solely on information, but we rely on your living revelation. Speak to us in your scriptures. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Send angels to speak to us. Lord, we're a people and we say we want to hear your living now revelation. And may we hear it throughout the rest of this year and may it guide us and lead us in in, in paths of righteousness and holiness that your name might be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.